This is IGN. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. This is IGN. Civilization games have always been popular, but they tend to be long and complex, and thus hard to get to the table. Seven Wonders' claim to fame is that it's a card-based civilization game that you can teach and play to completion in well under an hour. Such is the appeal of this concept that, since its release in 2010, it's been showered with an endless parade of awards and sold so strongly that it's had an overhaul reprint and a slew of expansions that have kept it relevant and popular to this day. It's well on its way to becoming a classic board game. Like a lot of high-end concept card games, Seven Wonders comes in a big box that's largely empty. The top layer of contents consists of two token punch boards, a rule book, and a pile of reference sheets. Beneath that, there's a storage tray that holds player boards, each printed with a different wonder of the world, a pad of scoring sheets, and some decks of cards. Most of the space on the boards and cards is devoted to artwork, a pleasing blend of realism with a little bit of artistic license. If you're wondering why a publisher would put such relatively meager content into such a large box, the answer is marketing. Having a big box front makes your game stand out on the shelf, allowing it to compete with full-sized board games. And in terms of design and playtesting, card games take just as much time and effort as board games of similar complexity, so there's an argument they ought to be treated on equal terms. Seven Wonders didn't become popular purely because it condensed civilization games into a small space. On release, it was also very novel as one of the first games to make card drafting the core of proceedings. There are three ages to each game, and at the start of each age, players get a handful of cards. They choose one to add to their civilization and then pass the rest to a neighbor while they receive cards from their other neighbor. Then they choose a card from that selection, pass them on, and so on, until there's only one card left. The cards available vary by age, but they all represent the trappings of a growing civilization. Age 1 cards provide things like raw materials and crafted goods, alongside basic military and entertainment buildings, the latter of which score you victory points. By age 2, most of the cards require that your civilization has some raw materials or goods available. Seven Wonders doesn't track production. If you already have a card that produces something, it's presumed available to help pay for other cards. Some structures can also be built for free, if you have a prerequisite structure in the chain. What if you don't have the raw materials needed for a card? Well, if your neighbors produce it, you can give them coins to essentially borrow it for a turn. Getting coins is simply a matter of discarding a card on your turn, instead of adding it to your civilization. This is one of the two small ways you can interact with other players in Seven Wonders, but it can be surprisingly effective. <laughs> 
It's painful to have to give up your cash to a competitor who's doing well, and in rare but vicious occasions, you can starve your neighbor of a much-needed resource by simply choosing never to add it to your tableau. The other, much simpler interaction is through the military. At the end of every age, you compare how many military icons you have on your civilization's cards with each neighbor. For each that has more than you, you lose a victory point. For each where you're the victor, you gain points, depending on the age, getting more as the game goes on. This is pretty toothless in terms of interaction, but it can certainly swing games, especially the big age 3 bonuses. In addition to the cards, each civilization starts with a wonder. Rather than playing cards or discarding them for coins, the third and final use is to use them to construct a stage of your wonder, which, like card play, costs resources and offers rewards. Wonders, however, tend to have much higher requirements and much more impactful effects than cards. Most of them give you victory points or additional resources, but some have more complex effects, like building cards from the discard pile. The second edition has better balanced wonders than the original, but they're still not perfect. Picking the right time to devote a card to your wonder isn't straightforward. You need to trade off whether you'd rather play the card, whether you can afford it, and what the possible ramifications are for future picks. And that, essentially, is the same smorgasbord of strategies you'll be pondering on every card you play, deliciously varied with the shuffle on each game. It's slick and strangely satisfying, especially the anticipation of waiting to see what might come around again or fall into your lap in future ages. But it's not especially demanding, and that dichotomy is key to the success of Seven Wonders. You can't argue with the sheer number of copies that Seven Wonders has sold, nor the plethora of awards that it has accrued. This is a fun game, a good way to pass a half hour with a great balance of luck and strategy. But it got that way by spreading itself quite thin, making a lot of gamers fairly happy rather than bringing ecstasy to smaller fan bases. There are times when the lack of theme and long-term strategy makes it feel more like an exercise than a game, and it's a tad too involved for casual family play. But whatever kind of games you like, if you fancy taking the plunge, you're almost guaranteed to find plenty of enjoyment. Spoken Layer. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.